Hello everybody and welcome to 139th episode of TechCraft. This is a weekly dive into the world of tech and we're recording the show on the 31st of July 2016 and I'm joined in the studio by Rishi today. Hey Rishi. Hello, hello. How are you doing? All good. I've been busy in the world of Node.js among other things. So um, yeah, pretty good. Nice, nice. Anything super exciting happening in that space? <laughs> I think at this point, overnight, super exciting things happen in Node because I, I don't know. I, I can't keep up with what's going on and how to do it. I just, you know what I did? I did like the basic, I use this framework called Express, uh, which is a kind of a, let's say a website, like a Django-like framework. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, they have the simplest documentation in the world, and I just stick to that, and, and I think that's okay for me. So Fair enough. I don't yeah. do the fancy stuff. How's things with you? Uh, I think it was me. A pretty good. A pretty good. Uh, we left last week's show at me trying to uh, to take a stab at migrating my OSs around on my drives. As you guys, as I mentioned in the last episode, essentially what I have is I have a dual boot machine. I have my primary. Uh, OS, which is Ubuntu and uh, Windows, and I have them on two different drives, but one of them was getting too slow and uh, another one is, was getting too small, so I had to like, I bought a new one, which I bought like four months ago, but I never had the time to move stuff around. So I finally got that and it was surprisingly simple. Uh, it was surprisingly simple in the sense that the Windows was a breeze. But the Windows was a breeze because Windows didn't have the EFI, the boot partition. Um, the boot partition was on a Linux drive. But even that went pretty smoothly. Like the cloning software that they have nowadays is pretty damn good. Um, the, the Actually, the only issue I ran into, which took me like almost the remainder of the day to fix, was um, the swap partition for mm -hmm. Linux. So essentially, apparently on Linux, it's actually encrypted. So it's not just enough to create a swap partition and just hope that Linux will detect it and start using it. You actually need to encrypt it manually unless you install it with, with Linux. You need to encrypt it manually and then point Linux at it. So that was essentially, it does actually wasn't causing much of a problem because I have 32 gigs of memory. So it's not like I ever run out of it. But uh, it was causing the machine to boot. It took like, nearly three, four minutes to boot, but it usually takes like 10 seconds. So, but yeah, once I fixed that, it's like perfect. I didn't even have to reinstall anything. I just essentially moved my stuff around. No, that's so, nice. I mean, that's yeah, a, yeah. the best experience you could have pretty much. I mean, of all the things that could go wrong in that exercise. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, as I said, went surprisingly smooth. Uh, took me almost like two hours to move everything. And then took me like five hours to fix the swap partition. <laughs> <laughs> As it usually does. So, but yeah, all in all, uh, very, very, very good experience. So I'm very happy about that. Um, moving on to uh, some of the news. Uh, so Rishi has just opened my eyes uh, a few minutes before the show. Like he literally rocked my world by telling me that uh, Skype has finally released a new version. Fair enough. It's an alpha version but they released a new version for Linux. So, mm. yay! Nice. 
even though uh if anybody from skype has listened to this guys you have like russian text in the middle of english text <laughs> <laughs> under the comments for the pictures just just yeah. just so you know uh, but yeah uh so i'm super excited about that i'll actually like after we record this show we recorded on windows i recorded on my windows os because Skype for Linux is just so horrible or was so horrible. So the first thing I'm doing after this is rebooting into Ubuntu and trying to install it and then be like, yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's actually quite, uh, let's say, sophisticated. Uh, well, sophisticated is a, is a loaded term, but let me tell you what it is. Essentially, what they have done is uh, it's a, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a WebRTC app, which mm-hmm. is a, let's say, a standard technology, real-time kind of browser-based technology, and they're using uh, Electron and and Node Mm -hmm. to power that. So basically, it's a Node app running uh, a WebRTC. So what I'm trying to say to you is that it might as well be uh, in the browser, uh, Mm -hmm. and they're just wrapping it up um, in the window and, and the UI. So I think it's quite uh, quite exciting. I mean, they've done this kind of work with um, Visual Studio Code and um, Atom in Node side, so I think that this basically JavaScript apps um, are quite capable nowadays with um, what they can do. But to be honest, it's uh, like that's where it's going. You go for any new app on like Windows or on on Windows or Mac. And they're all essentially written in web technologies and then just wrapped around in a native app yeah. and probably have some integrations into native OS as well. That's like the only reason you yeah. really would have them as a native app. But yeah, uh, I would be using Skype for uh, Skype for in a browser, Skype for web, I think is how they call it. But in order to use the video call functionality there, you actually need to in- install a plugin, browser plugin. Yeah. And that browser plugin is Windows only. <laughs> Oh yeah, but now that's what I'm trying to say to you. Now this one doesn't have that, and yeah, uh, it's well, this uh, one is a native app, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, finally, like after what five years, they they well, like hats off to that. To be fair, like no, I agree, and I think that they've been very, let's say, developer friendly. I must say, uh, of all the big companies there, I think they're now one of the most developer friendly uh, companies. Um, You're talking about Microsoft, right? Yes. Um, I would say even more so than the others like Google or something like that. Like I think that Windows 10 has a developer mode now, and I know it's just marketing gimmick, but um, you know what it can do in the future is quite exciting. All right, tell me more about the Windows 10 developer oh, mode. Oh come on! What I know I'm even like under the rock, Rishi. I know. <laughs> well, basically, uh, Windows 10 Anniversary Edition was released or is released or it's... It will be released in yes. uh, like sex, on 2nd of August or something like that. Oh, I see. There we go. So yeah. maybe these guys have advanced copy of it. But Windows 10 now has uh, what is known as a developer mode mm-hmm. uh, and a dark mode, which is kind of cool. Uh, so dark mode is like really awesome. Everything goes dark and like, a, like your code editor. So mm-hmm. I mean, come on, that's as geeky as it can get, but it's really nice. But basically, in developer mode, you can then do uh, run unsigned apps, uh, things like that, um, um, in the sense that you can, um, let's say, tweak the defaults a little bit more. And the thing mm-hmm. is, at the moment, it's very simple, where I think it's just running unsigned apps and un, um, kind of unverified apps, mm-hmm. uh, But uh, because by default, it's turned off. But you can imagine in the future, you can do stuff like change your bash, 
change all sorts of things in in the developer mode, let's say OS, and um, kind of just have fun and let's say power user type stuff, you know, change. I mean, I think one of the things that they uh, they did in the developer mode, which is I think quite nice, is in the file explorer at the top, uh, you get the full path now. Okay. Uh, so I mean, come on, it's trivial, but it's yeah. still. I think, I think it's a nice touch or something like that, where oh, instead nice. of just showing the folder name, they show you the entire folder path that can be copy pasted. I imagine so. Mm. It's small tweaks like that that let's say make it developer friendly, and I think it's awesome. I'll be interested in seeing it. I mean, the being able to install the unsigned apps seems to me like a bit of a negative in a sense it shows how closed windows has become because you know up until windows 10 you didn't need a developer mode to install an unsigned app you could just do it uh which is probably from one stand like if you're talking about the basic user it's probably actually not a good thing for them to be able to do but from the other side it's like yeah uh but i'm very much looking towards bash uh bash should be released with the anniversary edition right yeah. Because uh, the one thing that I'm started I've started to use on my uh, on my Dropbox. So I used to use a drive a BitLocker virtual drive that I just was in my Dropbox, and then I could open it on any other machines. But since I started using Linux as my primary OS, obviously Linux cannot open BitLocker drives. So and it was virtual drive in Windows format as well, so it didn't work. Uh, so I switched to ENCFS. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. It's essentially, it's an encrypted file system. Like you essentially point it to a folder and it encrypts that folder and then you you just mount it on your file system and it unencrypts it, all of that kind of stuff. So it's very nice. Uh, it's, they do actually say it's not 100% secure. Like they had a security audit and they found that in like, super edge cases it can be vulnerable to attacks but it's like very edge cases and they're actually working on even fixing that but the problem is that it's native on linux only uh, there is a very ni nice port on mac os but the port on windows isn't particularly great so with bash i'm hoping i'll just be able to install it just be yeah. able to sodo opt whatever yeah. you know install encfs and if it'll and if it'll work properly, I'll be like, I will be impressed if it actually works properly. <laughs> nice. I will be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so it's that. And then there is a very nice um, backup utility on Linux as well. That's not available on Windows, but it's a bash only. It's not even GUI based. So, you know, if that works as well, then like heads off to them. And, and from the looks of it, they're saying that they pretty much have written a virtualized Linux environment underneath Windows 10. So let's see, let's see. Um, so the other news, and this is more of a trend that I just wanted to kind of chat to Rishi. Right, because it's a slow news week. It's been slow news weeks, let's say. Nothing pretty much is happening that is, let's yeah. say, discussion-worthy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I blame Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's out playing Pokemon Go. Even our own Ben was telling us about his adventures. So, you know, if, if Ben is playing Pokemon Go, you know, the whole world is playing it. Um, but the one trend that if you listen, if you're uh, 
an old subscriber of our podcast and, and listen to our previous shows, you'd know that about a year or so ago, maybe a bit more even, um, I would I would say that I was probably the most skeptical one in that sense, but I know Rishi and Ben were very optimistic towards the fact that Chinese companies will take over uh, Europe's and US phone markets and electronic markets just in general. And we're not talking about, you know, your cheap phones that, you know, only people who can't afford the expensive ones will use, but rather like every phone will be Chinese phone because it will just be as good for like fraction of a price. And I think we're finally getting there, Rishi. Um, with the advance of the companies like ZTE, uh, Xiaomi and OnePlus, uh, you can buy a phone for half the price of uh, Android um, flagship and more than less, more than less half of the price of an iPhone, which people have reviewed, like the, the, the new phone came out, which is ZTE something seven. And people are saying, this is one of the best phones ever. Mm. And unlocked, it's 399. Awesome. Like, it's insane. And uh, there are news now about them coming up with their own laptops. Now all of their laptops, they're, they're running Windows. Uh, and they're just ripoffs on of Macs. I'm sorry. They they just are. It's like they, they literally look like MacBook Air. They even named like Xiaomi Air. <laughs> but you know, I I know there are no reviews yet, and those are only in China. But the phones are starting to, to tickle over in um, in Europe very slowly, and I think US even more so. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. But at the same time, Rishi. Does it mean that the likes of Samsung and Apple need to do something about it? Do you think they will, or do you think they'll just use that, be that niche? For no, themselves? I mean, they need to do something about it. I mean, this reminds me of um, cycles that happened a long time ago where, you know, if you were in the US or in general, automotive manufacturing was basically Ford, um, GM and Chrysler, the big three. And then at that time, the Japanese came with Honda and Toyota, and they were firstly ridiculed for not being good enough or powerful enough or just expensive enough. And they weren't initially. They weren't that good. They weren't as sophisticated. But the Japanese companies kept on at it and consistently increased the performance and uh, essentially beat the... Uh, the U.S. car manufacturers in their own game. Mm -hmm. The next, let's say, wave of this was the Korean manufacturers, where if you remember, you might remember, where Hyundai and Daewoo and all of these Kia, Kia uh, were considered, let's say, cheap cars or cars not good enough or not, let's say, not as great as uh, Volkswagen's or something like that. And um, now Hyundai is doing very well. I mean, I see a lot of Hyundai is, I mean, you won't attribute that kind of cheapness to these brands and and the point being that um, it's the same thing that's happening with the Chinese initially which is oh they're not good enough they're not fast enough they're not sexy enough or whatever it is the brand is not there and now they're going to beat them in their games I mean Scarlett Johansson um, is the spokesperson for Huawei and if you look at Huawei ads she's hawking them basically and the point being that uh, there is no doubt if you follow um, these trends long enough that um, 
anything that is ridiculed at first and it's let's say good enough then it, it is on the way to, to to like dominance and for me the pivoting point came from uh, Xiaomi actually mm-hmm. and one of the biggest hires that they had was uh, Hugo Barra from Google's Android mm-hmm. and um, it was a curious move because he was um, at the top of his game at Google uh, in some sense, right? I mean, he was running Android, the biggest operating system, and, and and he decided to go to Xiaomi. And it was always curious to me as to why would somebody do that in the sense that, you know, if you look at a typical career, they would think, wow, like he's on his way to becoming the chief of Google or something at this rate. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so he decides to go. And then if you look at his interview, it was actually quite insightful because he said that they are just hungry and they want to do things that are just exciting and innovative and at a price point that is completely different than uh, what uh, let's say Google are used to and I think um, I think that the pressure is on Samsung the pressure is on Apple and they need to deliver basically and and what 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 makes me happy is that they will be forced to perform and not just throw out marketing buzzwords and slick presentations because you know the the people are catching up Mm. but in terms of the so what you reckon is that in the phone market it will stay the same like the iphones will still cost twice as much as Xiaomi phones and they will just they don't already i mean that's why they do uh, now but yeah, that's but the thing. The Chinese they, are just starting to take over the market. They will, because iPhone is under huge pressure. Look at what they've done in the past two releases. Released a small phone, released a cheapo phones, released a zero, zero down phone. Why is that? That's just to keep these guys at bay, but they can't. Because the, what's happening is that they have an inherent cost advantage and the brand value um, is is under pressure for Apple. I mean, look at look at Coca-Cola. Like, if you buy into that, mm-hmm. what is Coca-Cola? It's sugar and water, mm-hmm. and that's it. But if you look at Coca-Cola marketing and advertising, that's what makes that company, where the the there is nothing inherently, let's say, amazing about Coca-Cola. It's, it's, if you look at the advertising, the current brand, and I've watched this very carefully, mm-hmm. the current brand proposition is taste the feeling. That if you look at any Coca-Cola right, ads, that's what this. But Coca-Cola is very different, right? I mean, it's the it's, same. It's it's the marketing perception. No, but it's different in the sense it's a product that you don't need. It's a product that's bad for you. They're marketing. Yeah, but I, I would have with cars and phones, iPhones, it's no? the product no, that I you do need. No, no, but they sell a phone, which is a smartphone, which is technically a product that most people need nowadays. Yes, but not an iPhone. You don't need no, an no, iPhone. No, I'm not talking about an iPhone. I'm talking about a phone. Yes, but then my point being why the reason why iPhone is expensive is is a lot to do with the marketing it as well. And the, the thing that I'm trying to say is if you need a phone, you should spend 100 euros and get a cheaper Chinese phone, which is not as great performance wise, but still suffice your needs. And my point being, people don't buy what they need. They want no, to... No, no, but what of, I'm saying, but like I was saying is that at 400 euros, you can buy the phone that you do like you can buy the phone that will feel as good as an iPhone, that will perform as good as an iPhone, that will yeah, exactly feel as good as an iPhone, but it's still half a price, right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the iPhone is under pressure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they start cu- cutting their margins margins down, and they will be under pressure. Probably not cut the margins, but they'll start introducing more incentives to the the kind of let's say the low end of their 
their budget uh, uh, soon. Yeah, but then, so here is the flip side of all of this, right? Uh, that I'm also thinking. And you know, we, we keep going about, oh, the horrible conditions that people are working under in certain you know, manufacturing plants in, in China. The, you know, the, the harm to the environment that some of these manufacturing techniques are making. And it makes you wonder, you know, Apple to make essentially the same phone and it costs twice as much. And now the Chinese that are making it for half the price, I mean, they must be cutting corners somewhere. I mean, it can't be that they can provide just as good as a, a protection to the environment and just as good of a working conditions to their workers and sell it at half the price. I mean, unless, unless I'm not getting something like, I mean, what do you think? Is that trade-off worth it? Like, no, no, it's not. I mean, what you pay for Apple is their marketing budget. It's the CEO's salary. You're paying the shareholders their money, and that's what you're paying. And from a utility point of view, the utility is exactly the same. So I don't think that, I mean, if there is a huge, serious environmental human rights problems, then the government should ban these phones. I mean, it's, I mean, if you look, if you want to pay 800 euros to buy an iPhone because it makes you feel better, great, good for you. Like that's your money, your choices, your life and your feelings, That that's fine. But to say that because it's cheap, therefore they must be cutting corners. No, no, that's what I'm, not what I'm saying that they must be, but I'm saying I wonder if they do. No, because Apple has to maintain its budget. It's a marketing gimmick that most American companies rely on these marketing techniques as being the look at all the speeches, look at all the campaigns, the best thing, the best ever, the, 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 like whatever you call it, the most fastest, this, that, and everything. And, and, and the thing is they need to maintain that image and, and you're funding that kind of, how do you say, money to keep that image up. And it's, from what you're seeing is that the utility is exactly the same. Now, you can say Xiaomi is 400 and it's not the sexiest phone ever or whatever iPhone's marketing is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't think, I think what's going on is essentially you're seeing the hollowness of the marketing. And uh, the enthusiasts have always said that. I mean, you, you you scoff when Apple says it's the best earphones that they've made or something like that. And you're like, well, Apple phones are not that good at all. Like earphones, that is. Mm -hmm. Like there are be better earphones for you that are probably cheaper and just have a better reproduction capability. So my point being that enthusiasts have known this kind of stuff for years, years. And 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 now it's coming, coming to fore where what you have is essentially... Um, um, like the cost being under pressure, like it's kind of like saying, because you work for lesser money, you are somehow not good enough or you're cutting corners or you are kind of, how do you say, like it's something has to be compromised or, or something like that. But the point being that there is nothing compromised. They're just as good and just as capable without the marketing and the advertising and the brand, let's say, value to it. I mean that is possible. I I, I would I wouldn't uh, necessarily. I mean, Linux is the Linux is the best example, but you are a big Linux, into Linux now. Like you know, if you look at um, marketing from any of these big companies about how their operating system performs, it's the fastest, it's the strongest, it's the this, it's the that. But if you work on Linux, they are maintained by anonymous people 
who get no money and no marketing and no branding and they're all just, of them just, just actually surprisingly enough the most the three most popular linux distributions are actually maintained by corporations but that's all new no but they don't really the contributions are made by individual people who are to the kernel the, well sure yes to the any kernel. software any open source software is like that where it is done by anonymous people without marketing without uh, a lot of advertising and yet it performs at the same level if not better uh, as the heavily marketed ones and yeah. the utility is exactly the same where you could definitely choose to buy only apple servers mm -hmm. but it's your choice but to say that because linux is not being marketed as heavily it's less secure or it's not as feature let's say yeah. not has doesn't have as many features is is not true and and that's what you're seeing so the only question then is uh, the price point and the pressure for Apple uh, to to reduce their prices a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they kind of start to feel that. Um, because I'm not going to, but the next uh, phone is not going to be an Apple phone for me at all. Because yeah. it's simply not. Uh, it's too much money to pay to a carrier and them. It's done. I mean, that was a great business model when they invented it 10 years ago. Now times have changed, you know. And 10 years ago, it was fine. Like their phones used to cost as much as... Uh Top tier, top tier Androids. So you were essentially picking, okay, do I, do I go for Apple? Do I go for Android? Do I go for Windows Phone at that point? And they would all cost us the same money. Whether now you're you're actually starting to see that iPhones are becoming a lot more expensive, whether Androids are becoming either cheap or staying where they used to be. So it's yeah. now like the difference is staggering now. Yeah. So. But it's fundamentally, I think you're talking to the wrong guy as well because I am not somebody who is into brands. I don't um, kind of. How do you say? I'm not into that, you know, like I'm not the target market. Like if you, like, I'm sure you're the same. Like if I said to you, this is a Dolce and Gabbana t-shirt and it's 50,000, I don't know, that's like a realistic number. 100. It's 500, 500 euros. And, and then you say, well, this is another t-shirt, which is no name t-shirt, you know, um, cotton, whatever, run of the mill cotton t-shirt for 10. And to say that, well, I'm going to buy Dolce because it's somehow better. It's 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 not factually correct. You may buy Dolce for because you like the brand, you like what they stand for, you like the advertising, you hang out in people, and you know other people will want to see you in Dolce and Gabbana. I understand all of that, but from a utility point of view, uh, they'll protect you from the sun the same way. They'll protect you from the wind the same way. It's just that one has a stamp of Dolce and Gabbana, and the other doesn't. And now you choose. Um, and what's happening in, in this case is people are seeing objectively from a performance point of view and utility point of view, they're exactly the same. Previously, it may not have been exactly the same, but yeah. then then the only question is, what is Dolce & Gabbana or Apple going to do with regard to their price? Otherwise, nobody's going to, I mean, rationally, which people don't think. But. Yeah. I mean, there is a number of things they can do there obviously lowering the price would be one but another one would be just changing the marketing strategy because at the yeah. moment it's been marketed as an every man's phone correct exactly they go to luxury one then they yeah. say this is a luxury phone and yeah sure but i guess my, my only concern with being the luxury one is that the, tim cook will have to resign because basically what it means that you sell less stuff you sell less in absolute numbers and you get into the fashion kind of business and it's not as valuable as every man having an iPhone. So I think that if they go to luxury side, Cook will go. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know about 
the, the internal politics there, to be honest. Really? So, can, you, can, you, can you stand up and say uh, Apple is just for rich people? Now, I mean, it shall always be, but as a marketing, I don't think you can. You can it will you definitely know. be changed, but it might not be a bad change for them. Like, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. And if it all works well for them, then why, why would you let the guy go? All right. Uh, so we actually, yeah, we're coming up to the end of the of the show. So we, this was an interesting discussion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, we hope that the the rate of news will pick up and people will finally stop playing Pokemon Go. I actually already saw a couple of articles saying why I quit Pokemon Go. So I think people <laughs> are, are starting to go through with, withdrawal nowadays. Uh, so it might pick up again. Uh, well, next week we'll actually be able to talk about the Windows 10 Anniversary Edition because that's coming out yeah. uh, next week. So, and I'll be installing it on my machine definitely straight away, uh, unless they're going to be delivering it like they did the Windows 10 upgrade, uh, where it wasn't to everybody straight away; it was tiered. I hope not, but probably it will be that way. Um, so, yeah, if you guys if if you like the show, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcast of your choice. If you have any feedback. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at TechCraft Nation or us individually on Twitter as well uh, at Rishi Bilal for Rishi and at Sergi slash for me. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week, guys, with another awesome episode. See ya. Bye.